Welcome back, everybody. This week, we're going back to the 80s and 90s to talk to a gentleman who was a member of the Waterboys for their first three records. And then he peeled off to form his own very successful band, World Party. Welcome, Carl Wallinger, to the Darko Audio podcast. Thank you. I'd like to start by asking you, in your mind, what, what are you best known for? In, in terms of you know public perception, I, I, well, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm best known for anything because I'm not really known. Um, I, I've had no idea my public um, profile or where it is. I mean, it's um, it's been an awful long time since I've been appearing on anybody's screen, um, mm. so it does tend to uh, uh, just become something from another age. But the music seems to sort of keep making friends with people, and it's a sort of I don't know. It's a str- I've got no idea where we are in the world's of opinion of us, I, I, you know, or me, or you know, whoever it is at the time. You know, um, mm. it's a strange one. So you're the band that I guess most people would know you for is World Party. Yeah, but obviously you were also in the Waterboys mm. as well for a while. Um, but let's not. Well, I won't talk about them just yet. But maybe we'll talk about the, one of the main reasons you and I are conversing today is because you're about to reissue your world party catalog on vinyl for the first time in what donkey's years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so two and a half Beatles careers. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> in terms of Beatles career, everything's a Beatles career, you know, you know, actually I was, pl- I was playing some of your stuff just before we started recording. And I guess this reminded me of something you said when we were chatting last week is that you know, when, when Private Revolution and Goodbye Jumbo came out, there was this sort of, not a big to-do in the press made of, oh my God, he's made a, you know, there's heavily drawing on Beatles influences, right? Yeah. But there seemed to be a big thing made about that. And yet when Oasis did it four years later, no one seemed to care. Yeah, yeah. Like, no one really, it's just completely bizarre, and, right? And, and frankly, um, um, I think I, out of anybody, I think I've done it the best in the sense that it wasn't something I was trying to do. It was just a musical form. Mm. They were playing in a certain form, and I just have. I mean, it's like blues. It's like if you're a blues player, you're a blues player. You're not copying, you know, you know, Hooker mm. or, or you know, you know what I mean. Like, um, I can't think mm-hmm. of any, you know, <laughs> I can't think of any fucking blues players now. Um, you know, whatever. You're not. You're not just copying them. You're you're playing the blues, but you're playing your own blues. You know what I mean? And that's where I, I, I always mm. made a, a, a sort of point of that. Really, I mean, and then yet. You do woo woo in something, and people go, "Oh, it's the woo woos from Sympathy for the Devil." <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, mm. but it's not like anything like it. You know, I mean, it's it's weird, it's strange, man. It's um, I mean, it's not they're not really thought about either. These things they just happen because that piece of music goes round and round at the end, and the thing to do over a piece of music that's going round and round at the end is mm. go woo woo. You know, what I mean, it's like and football crowds do it. No one says they're like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> it's like. It's very strange, man. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's um it's just I don't bother about it. I just ignore it because I know where it's coming from, and that's mm. fine for me. You know what I mean? It's it's not something I I don't I don't do it on purpose, and it's not something I give a shit about. It's just whatever it's going to do. I mean, some people say, "Oh, your music reminds me of," and I kind of go, "Oh no," <laughs> you know, it's something I hate or something, you know, or, or don't <laughs> think it's good. But I mean, I I you know, it's mm. weird what people think you know they come from, but they're big these things are big signs. And if you use big signs, uh, people are going to say, Oh, there's the big sign. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's just a familiarity thing, but I, I want to make something that's familiar. You know what I mean? I, I want it to be familiar, but not familiar, but I don't think I've ever done an out and out. This is exactly like this sort of song thing. You know I mean? I don't just rip people off, you know, and, and I don't think about it. So it all, anything I do just comes naturally, you know? So, I'm just an exponent of a type of songwriting that I was inspired by a bunch of people who right. inspired the world. You know, I mean, they they changed they changed the fucking world. So I'm just joining in, you know, and and, and you know, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, I'd rather sound like I sound than any other way. Anyway, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. So, you know, it's been mm. fairly successful. I mean, it's 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 um, you know, as far as the creativity side of things goes, you know, that's been a good. It's been good, and uh, I think it's been honest, and I, I'm not, you know, ashamed of it or thinking that I ripped anybody off. You know, I've done some things that are that are good things on their own. You know, 
But I think that's probably why Goodbye Jumbo was so successful because, you know, you made a record that you think you've heard before, like you just said, but it's completely new music. So it has that sort of common vein, like you're playing a style, if you like. Um, But, I mean, I think, I mean, the press loved it at the time. But they did make a thing about the uh, the woo woos in Way Down yeah, Now. Yeah. But but I guess that was also inevitable. But also, that's a hook that pulls people in, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's into your world. It's always fabulous playing live, all that stuff, and audiences love it. And it's it's just mm. one of those things, you know. It's just it's just what you do at that point in that song, you know. You just it's just um, strange one. It's um, anyway. I mean, I, I just um, so you didn't. You obviously, obviously, you didn't sort of sit down and calculate okay now we're going to do a stones ripoff no not at all it came out (laughs) at the end of uh we did a version of um well i did a crazy version of strawberry fields and way down now Mm. came out as we did the sort of play out it's weird that it's a beatles song that it came out of but it could have come out of anything but it was a jam at the end of it it turned into that sort of you know the, the the march off into the distance with the crazy you know um uh, what is the, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, um, uh, you know, yeah, I think it's all you need is love, isn't it? Or is it I and the Walrus? Um, and then, and then, and then I, anyway, whatever it was, it was a Beatles cover of some sort. And I basically started playing this chord sequence and pretty much played the verse and chorus mm. of Way Down Now at the end of this, this play, this sort of jam at the end of this track. And then I went back to it and did a version of it. And then we recorded it in Seaview in London with a drum kit and a live band. Basically, we did the track live. And um, it was just great. Uh-huh. Joe Blaney was doing the uh, recording. He was the Prince, um, you know, guy, really. I mean, he did Love Sexy with Prince, and he did a few Keith um, Richards solo albums and stuff like that. But he's, been, uh-huh. he's great. He's, he's, been a, he's been a real inspiration to me over the years, you know, just um, technically and, and, mm. and, you know, just anyway. Um, and he came down, and we recorded the band live, and he recorded the drum kit fantastically, and it was a great afternoon and it feels really good so that was great it was you know it was it came but it came out of a jam you know it was i mean it's a tremendously joyous song yeah but i mean you mentioned joe blaney is does his influence in a studio did that sort of steer you towards doing more i hate to use this term carl so for please forgive me but like more prince styled music on bang no not no not at all really i mean it was just that was just part we were we were you know we had the same manager and our first port of call in um america was um, Paisley Park when we went on tour um, the first time and um, in mm. America and uh, we rehearsed there for a week and it wasn't even finished yet and I was a huge fan already um, from um, Purple Rain I think it was before that yeah and um, mm. it just you know things just happened the way they happened and I, I was sort of like I was into it you know it was funny it was um, I understood it and it made sense to me, but a bit, but it's, uh, again, it's like, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I obviously put things too close for comfort, you know what I mean? But it's not like an actual Prince song as Prince fan. He, he took the multi-track, uh, back to, he got a copy sent to him. I think he just, sure. he just wanted to check out the new guy, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And as I told you before, the results uh-huh. of our sort of relationship was that he wore glasses on the cover of the sign of the times, you know, that was the, the funny, uh, like bit of me that he absorbed. The, the only bit he needed to absorb was glasses. <laughs> <laughs> the rest, the rest he could, the rest he could do without. He, he listened to Private Revolution, the multi-track, and then I, I sort of got it back. You know, it was quite. It was just a mm. funny. Uh, he just wanted to check out the, the opposition, and then I'm sure he felt a lot better. You know, um, after he'd heard it, you know, because it's pretty crazy backstage at Carl Land. You know. You know, and on the multi-tracks, the multi-tracks are pretty mad, but they're great. They, they work, you know, they, they're good. But how did Prince come to hear about Private Revolution? Well, because his manager had come so 86 to... 86 or 87? Yeah, 86, yeah. And then um, it was before, mm. yeah, just before Sign of the Times. Steve bought a rough copy of Sign of the Times to the studio, my house in, in Woburn at the time. I lived in Woburn and uh, Evershot, just next to Woburn in a in an old mm. sort of vicarage. It was, it was a big house, a nunnery. It used to be a nunnery. And um, I, I lived in there, and um, mm. we were kind of squatting for the estate. The, the guy was an artist, and he had all these paints set up there, and they put him in empty properties. And I happened to meet him via an estate agent. I was looking for a place to do an album. And he said, go and see Ed. He's in this place, and he's on his own, and it's a big place. So 
I went there and he kind of went, yeah, come and come and work here. So I did. And, um, yeah, um, I can't remember what I was talking about now. <laughs> I'm interested in the period, like the period between say where you left the water boys and, and did prior revolution. I mean, you really seem to hit the ground running with that. You know, the first world party record. I've been working on things, you know, I already had sort of, um, what became ship of fools and I already had mm. another couple of things. And, um, but then when I got to this place, it was just the right time. It was just, it was a brilliant time. And I just came up with, in about a week, I came up with Private Revolution, All Come True, and something else. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was, but it was, I mean, it was just a great time, you know, and I just, I was blown away by what I was doing, which is, which is a great feeling. It was very exciting. Even though I was like on my own a lot of the time, it was I just wanted to be there on my own. So I wasn't sort of feeling lonely. Um, I used to stay there as long as I could. Mm. And then I'd go back to London maybe in three weeks or something and sort of stand on the station at St. Pancras and try to hug people, you know, <laughs> you know, cause he was sort of alone, you know, just, just at the music face, you know, like in this place away from everyone. And uh, it used to be really good to get back to the city and be mm. in a, a sort of lot, a mass of people, you know, but, but it was great to get back and carry on working. You know, it was just, it was just the best time. It was great. You know. Mm. And did you record Private Revolution with a band, or did you do most of it yourself? I met mostly myself. Yeah, that def- um, I, I got uh, Steve Wickham came in and played the fiddle on uh, a couple of things, and Anto mm. came by from the Waterboys, mm. uh, played some sax on Ship of Fools and and uh, stuff, and Sinead came in and sang some backing vocals on Hawaiian Island World. And something else as well, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, that was it really. I mean, um, I don't think, I don't know, I might be leaving somebody out, but a lot of those names were just made up. It was just, it was just wanting to do a band, but I didn't have anybody there <laughs> doing it. So I just made up a lot of people, you know, Will to Win and, uh, you know, uh, right. Millennium Mills was the place that was on the railway outside, you know, on the journey to the, to the house. We went past a place called Millennium Mills. So, I put him in as a piano player or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was just, I loved it. I loved it. I just, I just immediately just went for it, you know, and just, just, you know, just enjoyed every mm. day, you know, and it just, I'd been waiting so long to do something and I was, I had a label that were waiting for it and they'd come up every now and again. They were great. Um, mm. Nigel Grange, who was a sort of, he got given his own label after being at, um, where was he? Um, a big label. But you're talking about Ensign, aren't you? Ensign Records is what mm. I signed with, yeah. Um, having joined the Waterboys, I, I, after a year or something, I, I, got, I sort of played them a track and got my own deal kind of thing. And, but then didn't do anything with that for a year. I just kept playing with the Waterboys. And, um, and then it became time to mm. you know, just get off the, off the trolley, you know. And, um, yeah. And that was a good time to do it, you know. You had a minor hit with Ship of Fools, and it was, I think it was an even bigger hit in Australia. Yeah, yeah. It was number three or something, number four in Australia. It did, did all right in America as well. It got on a lot of radio and was the, like a top of the whatever, you know, mm. most added, all that kind of stuff. It was very exciting, all the radio stuff in those days. It was, a, it was, a, it was the focus was on that, you know, play, getting the airplay, moving through the different um parts of radio from college to you know mainstream you know you had to make something a hit was a science they knew all about you know they didn't there was no internet sort of piracy or internet services or streaming services or you know it was just a it was just a real world of, of plastic product you know so i guess the lyrical content was kind of bleak yeah. for a for a hit single don't you think or yeah did that surprise you that people sort of latched onto that? I, I don't know. I mean, no. I mean, there's been lots of sort of you know in, in the in the year twenty five twenty five. You know, it's um. <laughs> I think I'm sure there's a lot of um, you know, what becomes of the broken hearted. I mean, you know, these are there's lots of songs that are in a kind of downer, but they're inspiring. So they hmm. become an upper. You know what I mean? It's weird. It's just a strange piece of music that came along with this sort of lyric idea and they married mm. together and it became a thing. It, I, I, you know, um, I'd say I probably had little to do with it because it was successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it was it was successful despite being my song. Yeah, right. But you never really made a song like that ever again. I mean, I, I guess. Well, I never do anything like that again. I never do anything really again. And if I do, it always bores the pants off me because mm. I've already done it once. You know what I mean? So right, there are you know you find yourself playing something, wanting to write something, and it's just like then you know. So you have to get to a place where you can mm. do something new for you, and keeping that vibe as mm. good as that. You know, making it making it actually get to somewhere new and not being complacent is the game that's on. I think when you're an older mm. artist and you've done it before, you know, um, you know, I think it's always good to be mm. able to go somewhere else, you know? So between private revolution and, um, goodbye jumbo, did you tour a lot or did you have a, a break or what did you do? Uh, we didn't do a lot of touring the whole, I mean, um, I mean, with goodbye jumbo, it was the least amount anyone's ever done. We 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 got we got stuffed by an argument between the manager and the record label. Basically, uh, we had a Neil Young tour mm. to go and do in the new year in America in in eighty eighty no ninety one January February and mm-hmm. we got stopped from doing it by the label and sort of sent back into the studio and we'd only released the album in October or something stupid or May the previous year. And we'd won the the Q Award for best album and all this kind of stuff, and um, we were pulled off the road, and right. we never went on the road for three years. So all the all the the, the the sort of you know the slaps on the back and everything were just basically that was it. They, they came and went, and then three years later we brought out Bang, which went in at number two. But it, you know, it still suffered from mm. the fact we hadn't done the promotion for Jumbo in the first place to become established. You know, so. We never did become established, was what the bottom line is. We never did become an established band at a certain level, you know. Um, and so that had the effect of, mm. you know, you can't fill a Hammersmith Odeon or something. You know, we our biggest gig in London we did was the Brixton Academy, I think. And um, and that was on the sort of bang tour, right. you know. But, I mean, we never went bigger than that, you know. So um, it was a drag, you know. It was a, I think... Yeah, we kind of, you know, um, you know, unluckiest man in show business is a sort of dubious moniker to have, but I've been called that, you know. <laughs> but was it a personal disappointment for being sort of pulled pulled away from the Neil Young tour? Oh, it was very stupid. It was just a stupid, it was just like, oh, you know, fuck this, you know. I mean, it was like, uh, yeah, it was demotivating in a way because it was, mm. you know, we should have gone off and done that tour and then gone and done our own tour and then been bigger in America and sold you know, a decent amount of records. We've, we, we've, um, I don't think we've ever sold a million albums. I mean, I'm talking about all the albums added up together. We've never mm-hmm. reached a million albums. Yeah. You know? And so I, I just think that's a, mm. that's just, that's why I'm in it really still is to, is just to, to reach more people because I think the stuff deserves it actually. So in the cold light of day, you know, but many people will wonder, Carl, where you've been for the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, you've got quite a story, I think, really. I mean... Yeah, I know. Well, I, I mean, I, I just... I, the new century was um, a crazy one, really, because it, it not only did it disintegrate the world, disintegrate, but my brain disintegrated. I had an aneurysm in 2001, mm. and uh, that didn't really set up the, the millennium very well, or whatever it is. The uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, and uh, that took a while, and five years, five years went by, and I then went out the door to do gigs. But that had an effect on what we could do, mm. and so we ended up going to. Pl- we played a lot of gigs as a three-piece uh, with a fiddle and a, mm. a, a electric guitar, and me on keyboards and acoustic guitar. And we toured like that for about six years, on and off with the band every now and again, but mostly as a three-piece, which was great, and which. We did more gigs than ever and played in little clubs and big festivals and were just like a sort of a little crack unit kind of thing. And it was brilliant. And it was a brilliant way of touring. Mm-hmm. It was pretty harmonious and um, it was good fun. And and that was it. But it wasn't, it, you know, it, we've always been waiting for a new album. And for one reason or another, it's taken this long to get to a place where I'm going to do one, you know, so it's, it's it's kind of um it's just a strange route's taken a long time from 2006 to 15 
we basically did more gigs in America and um, mm. than I've ever done and toured a lot and um, like I said we did big gigs in the in the park in San Francisco and and festivals you know um, Bonnaroo we did and you know what I mean it's like and little clubs little mm-hmm. crazy little 60 people in a little bar you know we did that as well so um, you know it was good fun you also toured with Steely Dan in Australia as well yeah we went around Australia yeah it was 2000 and was it nine or six or something nine maybe mm-hmm. and uh, yeah well, that was great fun it was only six gigs though it was like five in Australia and one in New Zealand, you know, and that was it. And they were all so far apart because we were mm. traveling um, by air, but the gear obviously traveled by land, so it took a long time to catch up. But that was no problem because it was great to just to hang yes. out in Australia. I'd never been there before, you know, so. Uh, well, I'd been there once, but years ago. And, uh, you know, that's typical us, you know, have a big record there and just ignore it, you know. Mm. <laughs> it's a crazy anti-world of business with the... With the World party, you know. But wasn't was that tour the the genesis of the best in show compilation, um, or was it something else? Did I m- misread that? No, I don't. I think it just was to just just to bring out a a sort of collective, and to to, to track to put the tracks on mm. that. I phoned up randomly the uh, and got the sales figures for that month or whatever, and put them in the order, and then put that as the CD. Oh, really? <laughs> That's quite You know, because it was meant to be the most popular tracks. I found out what the most popular tracks were and put them in order of descending sales, you know. But you've also done the archaeology box set as well, right? I mean, c- could you tell us, like, how that came about? That was great fun to do that. It was just, um, well, one of the things was just, like, not wanting to put out a bloody CD because they're such shit things. They really are. And uh, the album thing was not really... I mean, it was, yeah, it was big, but it wasn't, um, I don't know. I just wanted to do something. I, I, I wanted to put out a load of stuff that wasn't really on an album that was live mm. and that was funny, hidden tracks and old jams and, and bits of stuff that didn't come out and, you know, all kind of crazy 70 tracks it is. And at home we had a great diary. Um, they were, they're called, oh God. It always had a subject. And, you know, maybe it was um, mm. uh, ancient medicine or athletics or, or, I don't know, it sounds boring, but it's not. It's like all, mm. and it's all articles and crazy facts and pictures and stuff are the facing pages of every week. And I always enjoyed it. I always enjoyed these diaries. And um, I, I, if my missus was here, she'd tell me the name of them. But um, And then... Um, <laughs> I, I I sort of wanted to put this archaeology out, and I just thought I'd really like to have people with the booklet that was of some use, and that you could have on the kitchen table and mm. write your your diary in. So I did a no year diary; I just put the dates, not the days. So you know, it just it could be used any year, and um, and um, just did the track listing on the facing pages with the artwork for each track. And put it together in a sort of spiral band book, just like the diaries, and um, put the cover on, which was our address book, which had been ripped up by the dog several years before, and had got you know covered <laughs> in sort of you know it was sort of pretty dirty, mucky kind of front cover. It looked like an ancient document, and because I was trying to make it something out of the mm. out of the uh, the um, the uh, the safe, you know, the, the whatever it's called, the, the anyway from backstage, you know, I was trying to make it something that was like a, a hidden treasure. Um, I decided to sort of, you know, this archaeology thing and the book looked like a ripped up old papyrus or something, you know, so it just fit it well, you know, just, mm. so it was had a cover designed by a dog, which is what I'm trying to say. Basically. Which, but did, did you enjoy going back through like old archive? Well, yeah, I mean, it was, I didn't do it actually. Mike um, Worthington, who's my partner mm. in America, he did the four CDs mm-hmm. and I put together the CD one with certain tracks that I was, you know, that I was finishing. Nothing in it is art is written before 2000. Uh, everything in it's written before 2001. And I wanted to make it sort of all the pre aneurysm kind of stuff, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I finished off a couple of tracks. That's the only sort of new aspect of it. But, um, and I put together mm-hmm. a kind of, 
a CD one was a kind of as near to an album as you'd get, really. And then the rest was more sort of, you know, a bit of rejiggling and a, a bit of mixing of a couple of things. But then, it, you know, it was just rough and ready. You know, it's just it's just what it is, you know. And, um, so different versions, live versions of songs that people know. And, yeah, I was playing earlier on the pre-edit version of Thank You World. And it's just glorious. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's quite, yeah. but it's, it's quite got quite a quite a heavy. If if you don't mind me saying so, quite a kind of sort of druggy vibe. You know, it's very quite disoriented to listen to, even though the vocal yeah. is um, very optimistic and yeah. Um, yeah. quite beautiful. I mean, it's just, and I like that tension between the two things where it just it could yeah. it could be a bit dirgy, but it's not. Well, um, I don't work straight. You know, I don't work straight. <laughs> right. <laughs> never played a note. Never played a note without having uh, you know at least one molecule of THC in my body. You know. Right. I yeah. mean, never, never. I don't. I just, you know, it's it's uh, synonymous with 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 just. Rem- I, the idea is to get yourself out the fucking way. You know, mm. if you think about things, uh, which is why I don't give a shit about the plagiarism thing because it, I never do. It's not. It's it's mm. using. It's it's more like just using things that are familiar because they're familiar because you want to. Because if you're a fan, you want to do that too. <laughs> You know, so it's a it's um it's a funny thing, and and so um, but you know, you know that's what I do. I just just uh, report how I'm feeling, but I try and do it without mm. thinking about it. So um, the last thing to do is think about it and become conscious of what you're doing, because then you start doing things like making plans for it and deciding to change things. Where the best things are things that happen beyond your control, things that happen because of music, because of sex, because of philosophy kind of thing, mm. because of an attitude. It's, it's it, because of drugs, not, not because of you. You know, it's weird. It's, I, I just, I just trust stuff that, that comes in. You know, I often have to listen to something to know what it is that I've done, you know what I mean? Cause kind of thing, you know, you don't really know what it mm. is, you know, and if you want to go and play it again, you might play it again, but you might have changed it in a minuscule way, and you can kill something just as easily as you've come up with it. It's 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 a funny mm. it's a funny thing, but I, I love it. It's a great just playing and and you know just being there playing is is what it's all about. You know. So have you listened to your old records, Carl? You know, you know, as ahead of this sort of reissue program. I mean, I did. I, I well, I had to check all the cuts and stuff. So. Um, I, I I gave him a listen. Yeah, I think that you know it's a good body of work. It's 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 you know there's little there's there's not much slack in it. You know, I mean it's pretty good really. And uh, but I mean you know it's mm-hmm. it's not a lot, but it's um it's the best that I could do. <laughs> I, I, I yeah I I like it. It's it it makes friends itself, and it's amazing the life a song has. You know, it goes off and it gets played mm-hmm. at weddings and funerals and birthdays and. And in depressed times, in happy times, and you know what I mean. It's like a, you know, the communications I've had with people over the years have been. It's amazing, you know, the way songs just have their own lives, you know. And so to be, you know, it, it, to be the person that's come up with it is like, um, it's it's a strange one because you're conscious of it, but in other people's eyes and ears, it's a different thing, you know. It's and and. It, People ask you if something's right about it or this or, you know, um, did I mean this or that? And I, I never really say what it is because everybody has their own interpretation of it. You know, it's leave it. You know, it's that's it. I mm. don't I don't even know what some of them are about, you know, really. So just so people know this, a private revolution is coming out first in a couple of weeks. Is that right? Yeah. yeah or is it already out? I think it's I, out. I, I, it's already out. It was out on March the 1st. And then it's, it's Goodbye Jumbo coming out at the same time? No, it's going to come out. It, I don't know if it's coming out next even. It's coming out. I think maybe in the next one might be uh, Dumbing Up. Really? Which is now a double album. Yeah, I don't mm. think we're doing it necessarily in chronological order. Okay. And you've done something quite creative with the track listing on Dumbing Up, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there were two versions, a British version and an American version. And so I married them together. And then because that made it too long to go on a, a, a single record, I made it a double record, but then I had to add some more tracks. 
to make it mm-hmm. fit a double album. And so I, I, I think I borrowed a couple back from um, archaeology and there might be something else on okay. there as well, but I, I can't remember which tracks I, but they're contemporary with the album. So that's why I use them mm-hmm. because we had another side to fill in. So I basically created a new record, but still with, with tracks that were done at the time. And you're going to do this, something similar with Egyptology as well, right? Yes. Yes. And I'm just deciding whether to do like alternate versions or whether to do uh, uh, like as one side of like live um, versions of the tracks on the album or, you know, I'm just trying to, there's a great version of strange groove, which has been out on the DVD. It came out on um, when there was a DVD with dumbing up um, when we brought it out. Mm -hmm. First of all, we put a DVD through a DVD in for free and um, it was, it was on that and it was a great (laughs) one. It was with a sax section and um, it was from Boulder, in Colorado and it was a really great uh, version mm-hmm. and it was a jam and, but it was good. And I, I did a video for it and um, we made a video that night, you know, like uh, we did the, the gig, but I also made a video that it was like the tour video kind of thing. So, and um, mm-hmm. that was, that was a great one. And um, mm. yeah, that was, you know, um, just whether to put things like that on there would be good. I think, you know, so, mm. Anyway, I'm just just I'm just deciding on the running order. Right. Am I allowed to ask you about Robbie Williams? I don't really know anything about him other than Well, no, but he he I mean he he covered your song She's the One and that must have had an impact upon you. I don't know in what kind of way. I'm I guess I'm asking really. Well, I mean it 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 sort of saved my bacon really in a way. I mean it, mm. it was like um you know, I just I you know pretty much you know, wasn't working for five years, so I would have had to have sold the kids, you know, and, <laughs> and sort of, you know, uh, given away autographed bricks from my house or something. I don't know, you know, but but um, it, it was it, that did definitely turned, yeah, turned me from a sort of um, a problem into uh, you know someone who was like able to make some plans, you know. So so I did, you know. So I'm, I'm yeah, I guess I'm ple- I'm really pleased for you that that actually happened, um, even though I, I'm not. And I, excuse me for saying this, I'm not a huge fan of the song myself, but I just yeah. thought, no, this is cool because it's going to have a, a significant financial impact on this guy's life. Oh, yeah. like, we want to yeah. keep making records of his own, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I find that it's quite interesting, isn't it? When some, you know, when something just almost like literally falls from the sky like that and you just wonder, yeah. yeah. So, well, it wasn't so much a fall from the sky. I mean, it was weird. It was like guy had gone off uh, from the band and, and, sort of he, he hadn't done a lot and then he got sort of paired up with Robbie mm. as a kind of uh, you know musical brain because he was a you know I mean he's a classically trained very able um you know musician he's uh, from a you know it's in the family and all that stuff it's um uh, you know and he's he's uh, he was it was just right you know the the two of them getting together you know I mean um it worked really well as we found out, you know, and, um, but the sort of, it, it, the weird thing was that it was that we were a bit of a sort of blueprint for it. World party thing was a bit of a kind of blueprint for it anyway. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, I, you know, there's certain songs that, that owe a bit more to world party than the writing credits might suggest some of them, you know, anyway, I won't go into that one, mm-hmm. but, um, but, uh, you know, them doing the, she's the one was cool as well. You know, it was like, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was still, they put it on a double A side with the Kylie track that they'd written. Mm. So they still stitched me a bit, you know, it was like, <laughs> it was weird. It was like, it was, it was, uh, you know, cause normally it, A side and B side are different things and it was a double A side. So yes, they, yes. you know, they pulled some, you know, they pulled some punches there, you know, that wasn't cause we remembers the fucking Kylie track anyway. Um, but, um, it was also, you know, it was just a sort of crazy, crazy thing. I didn't know the guy from Adam, and I, I, you know, I didn't know, you know, so, mm. uh, by a new guy, and and it was it was great, you know. It helped me out of a very serious situation, you know. So it's a double edged sword. It's like on the one hand you think great, and on the other hand you think, wow, what a load of crap, you know. And the guys in the band were sort of, <laughs> they were kind of corralled into doing it. And they provided the music, mm. having just come off the road with me, so mm. they need the track. 
And then they were told not to tell me. So it was a bit like that was a oh, fucking, really? that was a crazy one as well, you know. So anyway. Yeah, I got a few gripes about it. <laughs> Do you know why you uh, because I got such a bad reputation of being a cunt. <laughs> Come you on. Know. No, I, I I think there was a sort of fear of me. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Mm. I can't. I can't believe that, that that that's you know what it is. But I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know why they said that or why. Mm. And it was just one. One of them actually said, you know, uh, oh, we did the Robbie track, and I was like, oh, really? You know, I was like, no one had told me, and it was like it was everybody else, you know, who had done it, and it was like, you know, they just they just came and told me, and it was a strange thing. Mm. And I was like, why didn't anybody else tell me? It was very strange. But it still benefited you in the long run, though. It benefited my ass off, you know. Um, I was I was doing okay, but it was it was definitely, um, I mean, it was an incredible bonus, you know. But I mean, in a way, <clears throat> in a way, it's um, it wasn't something that the publishers, my publishers, got. You know, it was something that mm. someone who knew the band and who'd they played Robbie the song, obviously, or you know, they wanted to do it, you know, uh, or whoever wanted to do it, mm. wanted to do it, you know. Uh, it wasn't like the publishers who I've been signed to for years and years got off their asses and got me a cover, you know what I mean? It was just something that happened because of a story. Um, you know, as mm. far as I can see, I think there should have been a lot more covers of stuff from World Party, you know what I mean? But the publishers have been pretty crap because publishers tend to be crap. I've got a strange reputation that I won't play ball and I don't know why. I don't know why. Mm. And and um, it's never been. I don't know. You know. Maybe I've just been a sort of um, not not that. I don't, I've never been made to feel that welcome. You know, in the music business kind of thing. You know, it's strange. Is that because you've always been different? I suppose it's because I've always been apart. And when you're apart, people don't know who you are, so they talk about you in a way uh, that's not right. But it becomes the way people think about you. So I don't. You know. But I don't really know. I don't think many people talk about me anyway, because <laughs> that's another thing from keeping yourself separate is you you don't stand out in the conversation. You know what I mean? So it's a strange one. But I think you'd be amazed at the number of people that out there who obviously still love you know your first few few records because mm. I see it mentioned on various websites here and there. Um, mm. Dave Turner, who I mentioned to you before, the mastering engineer who works just down the road from you. Yeah. mentioned he saw private revolution in my last video and i put it there because right. i knew i was going to be talking to you so i just thought there was a nice link um right. and he's like oh yeah i love that album and he went out and bought another um copy another cd copy um right. and was just right. raving about it and i th there are lots of people like i'm i, I remember yeah. turning on a a friend to it and she was a massive bruce springsteen fan at the time and was listening yeah. to nothing but bruce springsteen i said like just go and listen to this Right. And, yeah. and she absolutely went nuts for it and just wouldn't stop playing it's it. Funny, it's it? just, funny. it has, it has an effect. And so maybe it's because it wasn't such a massive record at the time that it's one of those little secrets that people like to share with each other, you know? No, I, I think it's just because we got pulled off the road because my manager had an argument with the record company. We didn't <laughs> go and do the promotion because the promotion is just a, basically a science. Mm. It's not really, you could promote the fuck out of anything really. Mm -hmm. And and you can have anything. I mean, it can be terrible, as we know, because we see terrible things on the you know in the chart and on the TV, you know. But but it can be really good as well. And um, it's just the way things are. And if you put those laws to work, and you do your mm. whatever the equivalent of Graham Norton was at the time, and you do your get on mm. the playlist at Radio One, you know what I mean? Like, and to do that, you just need the people out there batting for you who are motivated by the record right. company, you know what I mean, to do that. So, and it becomes a priority and all that stuff. So um, we always, we didn't really succeed at that game. You know, we, we, we it was strange, man. It's not like I didn't have any power because I had Steve Farnoli and the Prince thing, you know, behind it and uh, had mm. a good publishing deal, you know, but I mean, it was just, I don't know what it was, you know, but um, I'm, I'm not prepared to blame myself. I just think the music was too varied on the records and we didn't have a focus of where it was, you know, like, where is this world party thing? You know, it wasn't like we, we didn't make it simple. And, um, I don't mind that because I think it's a good thing, you know, but, um, I just come from another age where you could do what you wanted, you know? Yeah. But I could see some people saying that about maybe about bang, 
because it did go off in more various a multitude of directions more mm -hmm. so than the previous record which i think is and like when i think of records that are just have no fat on them and every yeah. song if you took it away the record would be would be diminished yeah i think yeah. of goodbye jumbo because jumbo. yeah yeah and yeah. i remember at the time there was a lot of press for that record i mean yeah. a lot of people were talking yeah. about it a lot of people were very enthusiastic about that album yeah. And it's you yeah. you can't hate that album. Like it doesn't no. it doesn't make a sound that you go, "Oh my god, please turn this noise off," right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's very yeah, it's it's a joyous record. It's it it's it, it's really it's crazy what's going on on the tracks though. You know, mm. it's like it sounds organized, but it's actually a real kind of crazy jumble, but it's it just it just it, it just was successful in its own skin, you know, and mm -hmm. um I think that it's just, um, you know, work, hard work really gets you to a place where you can have a chance of getting to somewhere where I get to on that record. You know what I mean? It's a, it's just, um, I, I don't know. It's just having the, the space to do this, you know, to, and the, and the equipment to do mm. with and the knowledge and the, the, the practice, you know, to do that. And, it, it, and if you can get to a place where, you know, there's a lot of outside things as well. You know, how old you are, whether you're happy, um, you know, having had mm. a meal, you know, how's it going? You know, I mean, it's like there's loads of shit that happens to people, you know, and that's why they don't do that or do mm. that or that's why they've got this attitude. And it's just like all these sort of cosmic globes have got to cut spheres have got to come together and just be in the right <laughs> coordination. And for me at that time, in that place, I was able to make that music and, 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 I was just sort of, um, I don't know, it was a bit of inspiration going on, you know, so, and, 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 you know, it comes and it goes, you know, but it, that was a whole period of it, you know, it was a strange, after I did that mm. record, I slept at night, I had this month's sleep, where I slept the most <laughs> beautiful sleep I've ever slept for like my whole life, you know, I mean, I still remember it. And wow. It was just uh -huh. like, totally restful. It was like, it's like I'd got a real weight off, you know, like, like I just unloaded a lot of things that I was trying to build up to, you know, so it was kind of weird, mm. but it was lovely. It was, and, and it was amazing. And I don't know, it's the spheres, man. It's, you know, it's just, um, it's out there, you know, for everyone. You know. Was it harder to make than Private Revolution? No, it was just more, you know, it's just, you just go on, you know, you just, you just continue, mm. you just you know, you just go to the next idea, you know, um, it, it was great fun to do. There were, and the people I worked with were lovely and, uh, some tracks have got more people on, some have got less on, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of people on that record compared to private revolution, you know, but I mean, it was still, mm -hmm. you know, in the same vein, you know, but it was great. It was nice people and great players, you know? Yeah. You must've really enjoyed playing that out as well when you did. Playing it live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was great, great fun playing live. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I've always done, especially at the time, I always did the sort of sound alike thing, you know, but always wanted to ex explore the songs live with people listening so they could, mm. you know, get off on it or whatever, as we were, you know. So we did pretty good live, you know, we were a pretty good band, you know, and, and, um, great players i've always i've always used really great players and and great friends great characters great personalities you know and funny people because mm. people are funny but they've it's been a uh, you know i've had a brilliant time with johnny turnbull and dave catlin birch and chris sharrick on the drums mm. is you know then went off and did robbie and you know um and he did he's doing Noel, i think now but I mean, right, um, okay. you know, Guy, you know, Guy was a crazy guy. He was good, very talented. I mean, Dominic Miller, who ended up with Sting playing guitar, you know, I, he was a school chum and he, he was a crazy guy. And, and um, but he found his thing with Sting just so perfectly, man. He, he, you know, he, he was a brilliant um, huh. Spanish guitar, sort of samba, South American player. And he, he'd, he'd had a guitar glued to him for his whole adolescence and, I can't remember him not with a guitar, mm. but he played in the band. Dominic Miller, his name is. And um, I don't know, right. just everybody who played with us, you know, there was Dave Ruffy, a great drummer who's, who was in the ruts. 
and um, mm-hmm. he, he came along and did a couple of tours, and that was brilliant working with him. Um, you know, all kinds of people. You know, the first guy who played the bass with us, Lenny, he was great. You know, loved playing with him. It was great. So I played with a lot of really great musicians. Yeah, and it seems like a real turnaround from Private Revolution, which you say you did mostly alone, and then you go, you know, almost the, the opposite with Goodbye Jumbo, where you've recorded with a whole bunch of different people. Yeah, still did a lot of it on my own, in my own time. I did uh, Sweet Soul Dream, Thank You World, and Show Me to the Top uh, when my missus and the kids were away in Spain for a couple of weeks. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and um, But that was... That was a great time, you know. That was that was um, nice. I had this little baby kit, baby drum kit, and I played that on Thank You World, and and that was good fun. And it was just a, a great, it was just a great week. You just get into it. You just got to get into mm. it and just just mine the the the, the coal face, you know, for for ideas and sounds, and you know, just put it together, you know, live it, you know. It's I don't know. It's uh, I just love doing it, man. I love doing it, you know. It's just it's nothing like it, you know. Self-expression. You said to me you were, I mean, you're you were a bit older than your peers at the time, like when you were making yeah. these records. I mean, does does did that make things harder to kind of cut through? Um, I didn't think about it. I mean, I I I only know it's only something I noticed when we were on tour. You know that we were like, mm. you know, we're like the people were listening to it we were ten years younger than we are, mm. you know, and, uh, but that's cause I left it too late anyway, you know, so, you know, that was a crazy time, you know, cause I'd spent a lot of time sort of, you know, fucking around, you know, really, but I mean, you find your voice when you find your voice and you can't do anything about mm. that, you know? And, um, you know, I, I'm always, I'm always in awe of 18 year olds, you know, you're getting it together, you know, cause I didn't for ages. But surely your time, um, with the water boys also, helped you kind of hone your craft if you like or you know find your voice well it was the it was the first time i'd done i mean i'd been in a um i was in two bands at the time the water boys and another band and i took i went with the water boys but i was already sort of trying to become a musician you know that that worked at music Mm. and got paid for it you know and um Mm. just there was an article in sounds and Mike was saying he was looking for a, a drummer or, or a bass player or something. And I found out and said, "Do you want a Do you want a keyboard player by any chance?" I read the article. I thought it sounded good. And I don't know what what prompted me to do it. And I just sort of said, "You know, do you want a keyboard player? I play keyboards." And he said, "Come down." And I went down. And they said we had a play. And I like that's it. I joined from then. You know, and we just kept playing. You know, and uh, I, I filled in on keyboards. And the guy that was mm. playing the keyboards played the drums and we went off and did a TV for a girl called Johnny in Germany. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. And Adrian who played the drums on that does the, like loads of British of, um, TV theme tunes now, you know, like, um, really, huh. I can't, there's a detective one with the guy with the one leg who's ex services. I can't remember his name now, but he did that. And, it- you know, did loads of stuff. Adrian is, you know, but he played the drums mm. on that trip. You know, we just went and did a mime to, to a girl called Johnny in you know, Germany. That was the first thing I did with them, and then after that, I just kept working with them. And you, I mean, you must have. I mean, did you tour a lot with with the Water Boys? I, I don't know. I was too young. I'm sorry to say, like in the eight. Yeah. No, a fair bit. We we did. Um, you know, sort of promoting the first album, and then making Pagan Place, and then doing the touring for that, and then doing the making the This Is the Sea record, and then doing the touring for that. And it was like halfway through the touring for that, I think, that I that I left. Um, they were going to go on tour with Simple Minds in in Europe, and I, I left at that point. And it was about a year into the or ten months into promotion of This Is the Sea, something like that. You know, like, and I, mm. I just I just wanted to go and just do my own thing. So. Did you do you feel like you outgrew them, or was that you know? No, I just I just. Um, well, there wasn't going to be any way to express myself mm. in that situation. And, um, I mean, Mike wasn't making any room, so I had to go and find my own room. You know, that was basically it, mm. you know, more than anything else, you know. It was just a simple thing. It was like I wanted to do some music. He didn't want to, he didn't want to relinquish control of the whole 
thing and he wanted it to be a vehicle for his own music and that's fine man it's it's your thing you know see you later i think on the um this is my last question about this but the, on the live adventures of the water boys there's a cut there's a really wonderful cover of purple rain and i don't know whether were, were you playing in a band at that time because i just thought that was absolutely superb no right sorry <laughs> no i didn't right. do that no no that's okay i mean it's no i'd gone i'd gone before the prince thing mm. i think um, had I? No. Mm. I don't think we ever covered it. I don't think we ever. I can't remember covering mm. that live. We did. I um, no. It was when we were when we were opening for you two on the Unforgettable mm. Fire tour in America wow. with the Water Boys. We were in Chicago, and they turned up in a big limo. <laughs> And when they went on, we took their limo and we went to see Prince. Huh. And he was playing Purple Rain at that time. And that's the first time I saw him. And so I don't know whether that's, a, I, I don't know whether we covered it while I was playing with them. I can't remember doing that. Anyway, that's our first exposure to Prince and it blew me away completely. And that was the origin of all those sort of keyboard parts on the whole of the moon and all that stuff, you know, all that, da, 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 you know, oh, and the whole of that track really, you know, it was just, it was very, it was very Prince affected that track as well. You know, that record, this is the C sounding much prettier and more melodic than things that had mm. gone before it. Mm. And I just, I guess I wonder whether that yeah. was your influence coming to bear. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I took a few of the songs away, the lyrics away, and wrote some music to them, and I brought them back, and then he sort of cherry-picked that mm. and did what he would, did whatever he would with them sort of thing. Mm. So I got credited on a couple of things. Um, but, but I mean, um, no, he basically, you know, he put that together. I mean, I, mean, I don't know really what went on, but, I mean... Um, you know, he just did his own thing with whatever it was was brought to him, you know. So, mm. and that's kind of why I went, really, because it wasn't going to be any other way, you know what I mean? So um, it was mm. just a, a, a thing you had to accept or not, you know. And I, I, I knew I had to make some music. I knew it wasn't like that. I I, I didn't agree with some of the – I always found the I, – I, 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 yeah, anyway, I always found a lot of top end around and it was quite brash and I didn't – care for that it was one of the things about the mixing that i didn't really like but 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 it was it was good in its own way man it was good he, yeah, he's, mm. he's good man he does his thing and that's it you know it's like, hey, yeah people dig it it's it's cool you know and it's an intensity there that's good but i mean mm, you know, i'm yeah. glad i went put it that way I, I don't i don't have any um regrets put it that way well yeah because you went off and made a handful of absolutely superb records i mean I guess it's hard for me to conceal the yeah. fact that I'm a fan of what you did in that time. So, you know, like... But I've, it would be it would be really... What, what to me would have been really great is if I'd stayed in the band mm. and we'd done it together and made something much more greater than the both of us. Mm. Anyway, or the, the each of us, you know what I mean? I just think it, we, 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 could have, we could have done something quite immense, you know. So it was like a, anyway, a lack of that's just my yeah a lack of a sort of a collaborative spirit is that what what it was missing a lack of mutuality a lack of lack of acceptance as as a sort of force you know but but that's the way it was so I didn't get I didn't wasn't annoyed I just left you know I just yeah I just went and then they went to Ireland and became an Irish band you know so that's how he got out of it he he changed direction completely. Which was like forced on him, really, because you know, because he didn't have it, it, that wasn't his natural. The whole of the moon wasn't his natural place. Right. This is the sea. You know, um, th this is the sea was more, less him, and 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 fisherman's blues was more him. So he went and found who he who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he married something which was which he could do to his satisfaction that made him feel like he was expressing himself in the right way. And Steve Wickham was a huge, a huge weapon to have there. 
because yeah, that's an sure. amazing fiddle player. That's one amazing. He's a towering talent man. Mm. So it was a good thing, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he was marvellous. Steve Wickham was a, a force of nature, man. He was, you know, was, uh, very good. Very, very good. I mean, seriously good. I mean, that fiddles yeah. through a kind of uh, delay with a kind of uh, bit of a a kind of, um, what do you call it? Oh, fuck, I can't remember any words anymore. Like a chorus, but <laughs> not a chorus, a flange sort of thing. Like a sort mm. of, the sound of it was a 250 or 200 millisecond delay. And um, mm-hmm. it was a serious weapon, that that violin man. That was one of the heaviest things I've ever heard. I played with two excellent violinists. The guy <laughs> I played with recently, David Duffy, is an amazing violinist as well. Mm. But, but they were both really great, man. Steve Wickham was great. <coughs> He's mad as well. He's great. <laughs> so, I mean, in your studio now, which is uh, in Hastings on the coast, right on the yeah. coast, you can look out over the ocean, right? Um, sea view yeah yeah you're you're in the process of making new music and pulling an album together yeah 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 and is this a is this a you on your own thing carl or is it with a band or well it's on my own at the moment (laughs) because of the covid you know uh, lockdown right it's like that's got to be me but i i've been away uh from the studio for so long that like spending the last couple of years putting it together and spending some time here has been great Mm. So I'm, 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 yeah, I'm planning on doing a lot of stuff myself, but I will get people on there. You know, um, there are a lot of people here in Hastings who play and, uh, that's amazing. It's a bit of a mini, uh, it's a bit of a mini outlet from London. You know, lots of people are down here. Um, you mm. know, um, Kevin Armstrong, I'm sure will, will contribute something. He's Iggy Pop's guitarist and he's a uh-huh. really great player, but there are lots of people here, you know, who play, all kinds of instruments and there's a, it's a big music scene here actually. It's really great. It's really great. Interesting. I mean, you know, from people who wrote lyrics to white room to, you know, dance studio stuff, you know, studios with dance music in uh, more cheaper guy, you know, um, all, all kinds of things down here, man. Um, you know, all kinds of singers and players and drummers and, you know, all going crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, is this why you've decided to sort of go, well, sort of reactivate your back catalogue because you've got new music coming and the two seem to sort of slipstream into each other? Yeah, I mean, um, but just that's that's the idea, really. You know, just to sort of, um, I think it's called profile raising <laughs> process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, um, it's just, and also good, good fun. You know, good, good. Um, you know, it's nice to bring them out again and. Um, it's crazy how what ancient history they are now, you know. But I mean, it's it's, it's uh, I don't know, you know. Just it's all I've got. I mean, I've only got my product. You know, that's what I've got. You know, sure. I'm, I'm not bringing anything else. I'm not bringing a new new range of vases or aftershave. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just right. I just have to deal with what I've got. You know. So. Mm. But do you think people will want to know why there are no CDs? I mean, earlier on you said you hate CDs, so maybe that's why. But. Yeah, I mean, it, it's streaming or or albums, really. I mean, we there are CDs anyway. There are you can get CDs, but mm. they're, they're they're not of the remaster or anything, you know. Mm. Um, they're, they're, they're just the CDs that have been the CDs since the beginning. You know, we've got those. We've got those to sell. I think I've, I've definitely got some boxes of them. You know, why are you not putting any sort of like extra tracks, like a super deluxe edition kind of thing? Oh, because I always just like them to be the album and and. You put other stuff on, and it just—I I don't know—it just diminishes. I, to me, it doesn't make it more. Mm. I'd rather put out a CD of all the stuff that you would have put on the catalog CDs. Right. You know, I'd rather put that out as a separate thing. You know, just saying here's other stuff. But it's like it's like um, it's like adding half a movement to a Beethoven symphony at the end. That's <laughs> like he thought of, but. Mm. you know he didn't really finish it but this is how it kind of goes you know i suppose there is one that's unfinished but i mean not, not his but schubert isn't it schubert's unfinished is it schubert you know it's just like it just doesn't seem you know those works are just like they are like like they, they're, they're themselves you know that's what they are that's what came out you know that's that's mm. what i put together that's a thing you know and it's like 
you know, like like it or lump it. If you want to get some extra, I'll send them to you. You know, like uh, what do you want? I thought about putting that like loads of stuff online that you can just go and peruse and just grab. You know, because what's the point of making trying to monetize it? It's weird. You know, it's like you know. Anyway, I might do that with stuff yet. But I guess the point anyway. I'm trying to make is that there are train spottery people still out there, Carl, who are you know thirsting for these sort of rarities yeah. and things like that. And well, I have to find them all and. Uh, I'd have to try and get a list from somewhere and just find them all and put them out. Yeah. <laughs> put, them mis- put them out of their misery. I do agree with you that leaving the original album intact as it was is probably the smarter thing to do. Um, yeah. And also, it's no, I don't really it's the, as the artist mm. intended, which is the phrase that gets trotted out all the time these days. But it, yeah. it you know, it should be as it was. And I, I guess personally, I do like sort of that sort of album era B sides. But but when it gets down to yeah. like demos, no, like de- because demos yeah. are never yeah. never great or very rare. Demos you just put out on a website yeah. for free, and people. I mean, I'd release a lot more stuff if it wasn't for like mm. copyright and my my um, my having to you know go by my publishing deal. You know, mm. if I didn't have to do that, and if it wasn't owned partly by Universal Music, I'd put a lot more music out. Mm. Um, because I'd put it out every day, you know, I, it wouldn't bother, you know, it'd be like, you know, I'd monetize it in some way eventually or something. But I mean, you know, I, I do things I'd like to put them out then, you know, whatever, you know, like I'd like to put out what you do every day, even though you don't finish it or, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just stuff, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, it was years ago that we had these singles that, you know, Hey buddy, you're at number one, you know, Hey, oh, okay. You know, um, but it, it's not like that anymore. It's a sort of non-linear everything, you know, and it's just, um, it just seems there's another world to find rather than trying to dig up the old one all the time. You know what I mean? It's like, we're always going, mm. you know, Oh, we've got to make singles great again, or the charts great again, <laughs> or there's got to be some charts or music's got to mean, it's like, let's just go along. Let's go to the future of it. You know, and that's, I don't know. It's anyway, it's all a bit, you know, hoist on its own petard or whatever, you know, as usual. Mm. But would you, I mean, would you ever run a band well, campaign? I'll, I'll just have to write some songs about, <laughs> eh? Sorry, would you ever run a band camp page and just sell new music through that? Or I, I don't know the legalities of your catalogues. I'm sorry. So, you know, you said that Universal yeah, no, owns I it own still? It. Oh, I you own the catalogue. Right. I, I, own the, I own the catalogue, but I don't own the publishing. Uh, I own a percentage of it, but I don't, I can't just, I have to monetize the publishing because I have a, a monetized deal with Universal, you know what I mean? So I can't mm. just give it all away, you know? Right, okay. But what about stuff you write now? I mean, it would... I'm still published by Universal, yeah. Oh, I see. So even if you make new music, still, you can't just I'm put still... it on Bandcamp? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. oh, well, I can release it any way I want, but they have to get paid, so I can't put it out there for nothing, you know what I mean? Of course. I'm saying I'd put it out there for nothing, you know I mean? It doesn't, you know... You know mm. Not the, not necessarily a finished version or something, but I put a lot of stuff out that I've got. I've got mm. miles of miles of music, you know, and it's. How do you feel about streaming, Carl? I mean, what, what's your thought? What thoughts on this? The world of well, I think it's all right. It's just the fact that the record companies did the deal and they didn't think about the artists, and so the mm. artist is fucked by it because we get naught point naught 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 naught. Think of a number recurring nothingness mm-hmm. from you know people get so people sort of get millions of plays and they end up with like 250 quid kind of thing so yeah it's yeah, yeah. um it's the usual it's the usual are you a musician yes bend over and pull down your trousers really you know so um it's a disappointment in that way the record company sorted it out because they were desperate because they had to get some money from somewhere so they did a deal and, and it doesn't seem like a very good deal for the artists basically streaming mm. it's a very good deal for the punter and it's a very good deal for these people that set themselves up in between the artist and the punter. But to me, mm-hmm. uh, artists should have taken control and started streaming and a sort of streaming society themselves and taken control of it and just had it run for musicians, by musicians. And there's no need mm. for any record companies, really, if we did it right. There would be no need for people mm. in the way. Because those people always end up with the big car, 
and all the artists <laughs> never end up with hardly any jack shit really apart from a few you know just as if it's to prove a point they make somebody mm. incredibly wealthy but it, but on the whole um even if you're doing okay now uh, you might have to take that car back in a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, you know right. sell the house or whatever you know you know right but do you do you make so you make obviously make more from selling a cd or selling a um a record i would say so yeah i mean um but apart from the fact that it's on my own label as well so mm. you know I, i'm not um not sharing that but i mean it, it, you know um it's also not a lot so and that's you know one of the motivations of bringing out something new is to try and just you know it, it be in the market again you know so mm. you know it's just it's what you do it's what the business is but it just haven't done it for a, a long time so it's a kind of strange situation but then again, every mm. world party situation has been strange, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's been it's been great. You know, it's been great. I've danced in very unusual places. You know, <laughs> when's the um? Do, do you have like a um a time window that you're trying to work to, Carl, for the new record, or is it just like whenever it's ready, it's ready? Well, sort of, you know, going by the album releases and stuff. It's around about you know when you get to the end of five records every two months that thing so that's about mm. it but who knows mm. i can say that now but it might not be it might be next week i don't know but it, it won't be next week that, that's definite but i mean it, it might be you know it could be but but um it's just um you know i'm just doing some writing and and um that's a piece of string so you know good yeah. luck to me just looking for just looking for a period of time where I can really get into it. I've done some things and I like them and they're interesting and um, I'm getting off on them, but I haven't worked on them to master. I mean, I'm they're sort of mastering, but I'm not. I'm not really mastering yet. I'm still writing, basically. You know. mm. And also exploring a lot of new sounds. Is is this a good place to to wrap it up? Like, I mean, you're talking about. The future, and I thought there was a really yeah. good end point right there. Like, you know, just absolutely. I mean, you know, now that's unless there's anything else you want to talk about, like, so I can I can edit it in. There's no problem. What go on, going on and on and on even more. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not too monotone, man. I hope I'm not too monotone. Not at all, and, and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today, Carl. Because, um, hey, man. Well, good luck with the interviewing people, and I hope I was a good place to start. Sort of thing, well, <laughs> I think this is the first one I've done where it's just a musician talking about, I say just a musician, yeah. but like normally my Music stuff is stuff. like yeah. sound stuff. But I'm doing this because I'm a, a big fan of your work. No, it's been great to look up. I mean, like I said, I've watched you online, you know, so it was, uh, it was funny. Yeah, thank you so much. You have been listening to me, John Darko, and World Party's Carl Wallinger. This episode was produced by Nick McCorriston, and music came from Ben Pitt.